Thanks for tuning in to Patreon Request on the Let's Get Ready Network, the place for coverage of all the things you love. On this feed, we cover movies, TV, video games, and more. If you're interested in suggesting something for us to talk about, you can do so on our Patreon at patreon.com slash LGR underscore network. And please leave a rating and a review of this episode. Enjoy the show, everyone. All right, guys, here we go. If a part of the Patreon and whatnot. So one of the things that we do is like uh, we let them pick video requests. And this is uh, actually Brennan, who is joining us tonight. Uh, this is his actual Patreon request. And he wanted to know what is mine and Adelia's top five movie of the 2010s. And he is going to pitch in as well with his top five movies of the 2010s. Uh, so, yeah, that's what we're going to do. How are you guys doing? Good. I'm doing, doing okay. How are you today, Justin? Hanging in there, hanging in there. Already did one video today. Uh, that was kind of like a Patreon thing, and so we're doing the second one uh, right now. So fun, fun, fun. All right, uh, Brennan, you are the person that came uh, up with this whole idea, so I'm going to let you start. Uh, so what is your number five we'll go from five up to your number one so what do you have listed as your number five movie or if, before you even say it uh do you happen to have a couple of honorable mentions that you would like to say something about like before uh, you actually do your top i do five? have a, a handful of honorable mentions. okay yeah go ahead you can announce them real quick uh 2010's how to train your dragon okay which is a really sweet and amazing film with um amazing score by uh John Powell, who Star Wars fans will recognize as the guy who did the score to Solo as well. Uh, that's a runner-up. Um, Bridge of Spies by Steven Spielberg is another one of my runners-up that I really, really like. And I think Mark Rylance, who plays the, the, uh, the, the Soviet spy, gives an incredible performance uh, in that. that That's a good one. Um, also, Tangled, which came out in 2010. Probably my favorite of the Disney films of that, that era. And uh, definitely you know, any of the Star Wars films of the 2010s, of course. And also several of the Marvel, the MCU films. I could name Black Panther or uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, you know, the first one, or Captain America Civil War or The Winter Soldier. But I've got a few runner-ups, and so it was actually kind of hard to narrow it down to the top five. Yep. <clears throat> yeah, that's why I was uh, uh, saying go ahead and do a couple honorable mentions. We probably all got a couple of them, but... Uh... But Brennan, what is what happened to make your top five? What is your number five movie that you're coming with us today? Well, my number two through five are in no particular order. My number one is is we'll get there. Um, so my number five is the 2016 film Arrival by Denis Villeneuve. All right, uh, higher on mine. 
Mm. I'm throwing, yeah, I'm throwing this up there going ahead because this is your five, Brennan, but we're going to stop you there because one of the things I probably should have said at the very beginning is we don't know each other's list. So we're going mm -hmm. in here yeah. with our own list. So if someone says a movie that's on someone's list, uh, we're going to stop them there. And instead of like talking about the movie and what we love about it, we're going to move on uh, to the next one uh, so that we really only cover that movie like one big time. So that is actually minor minor technical correction. Name's got a, my name's got an E N on the end. Just, just sort of. Oh well, I messed that up. Well, there we go. <laughs> nah, yeah, it's, it's, it's <laughs> but uh with that being said, uh arrival is actually higher on my list. It made my list, so like uh right. that's pretty interesting. Yeah, it's uh, higher on my list too. So okay, arrival right. is that is actually really uh crazy. Because I thought we'd all have three different top fives, completely different almost, because we all like different things, mm -hmm. to be honest with you, except for me and Brandon's love for like Star Wars and stuff. But yeah, 100%. Uh, that right there is pretty interesting. So Brandon, uh, he had the top five of Arrival, and it happens to be on both me and Adelia's list. But Adelia, what, what was your number five? Um, my number five is a movie that I've watched a lot. Um, I'm a bit of a Marvel junkie. I don't watch a ton of movies. So the what movies that I watch are, are pretty much generally either a really huge blockbuster or movies that most people probably have never heard of. Um, my number five is Avengers Endgame. Mm. Um, I... Honestly, can't name a ton of movies that I saw that are 2010s movies. Um, but all the Marvel movies, this one is my favorite. Um, I absolutely love the way it was constructed and and the, the way that they went about solving the problems that arise in Avengers Infinity War, which is another great movie. Um, but this one is my absolute favorite Marvel movie of of all time as far as the mcu goes so it's a good choice good choice justin you're muted i think justin got muted oh no that's right but look i i was going a good thing because i almost i almost spoiled something i almost stopped her but then i had to stop myself because nope i'm not gonna stop her avengers endgame really good movie uh a lot of people love it and stuff it's a culmination of some things but i have a little bit of a different take uh, and you'll probably see that in like the movies that are chosen as well. Uh, for uh, her, Adelia's number five was Avengers Endgame. I gotta uh, say one thing though about this movie yeah, go ahead. this might be the most successful end of a franchise as far as like the final chapter in a story yes. maybe we've ever seen on film. I think. Yeah, I mean, it's a culmination of like 10 years worth of work. I mean, oh, yeah. I don't even know yeah. if that was their ultimate game plan to start off with, but they ended up, even if it wasn't, they ended up pulling it off like it was something they had planned out 20 years before and got everything together because they did such a great job with that. Uh, but Adelia, before we move on to my number five, uh, we gave Brennan the chance. I'm going to give you the chance as well. Did you have some honorable mentions, like some that was, you, it was hard to keep them out of the I list? I didn't really have a ton of honorable mentions. The one that I do want to shout out, though, is the documentary Amy about the life of Amy Winehouse. Oh, yeah. Um, I love that documentary. It's one of my favorite documentaries, and I thought it was, uh, it, it almost made my list, but it didn't in the end. It's a good choice. Okay, Justin, what about you? Who's still muted? 
Uh, yeah. All right. Sorry. My son came in there for a second. <laughs> I had to mute myself. But uh, that, that, now we'll get to my number five. And my number five is going to be fitting a little bit in my mold, but not uh, 100% uh, directly into my favorite film. I mean, I mean, my favorite field or genre, you should say. Uh, you can sit, tell by my hat that I'm wearing right now, like where my genre lies. I mean, that's uh, yeah. right there. But number five for me, Gone Girl. Oh, good choice. Gone Girl, uh, <clears throat> it's one of those movies that uh, I love. It, rem- it It's it's a little weird because they're totally different stories and stuff, but like two of my favorite movies of all time, and this is not our favorite movies of all time. This is from 2010 to like 2020. Uh, at least that's the way I took it. Uh, Gone Girl uh, falls uh in that area and uh but it reminds me a little bit of uh movies that affected me earlier like seven and uh silence of the lambs i thought this was really great film was a really great story and it was uh dark enough that like it it kind of fit into like almost like this horror movie setting because you had this like uh toxic couple and stuff and it it it, uh turns it on your head the the biggest thing that i loved about it is it turns it on its head it's because like Every time we tell a story or hear a story about, like, say, a toxic couple, it's always the dude almost every time. It's like the big, mm. huge piece of crap. The girl is totally innocent, you know, and it's like the, the 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 guy gets all the bad rap. He's the one that does everything that's bad and horrible and everything else. I actually love this movie because, like, uh, I don't think either one of them were perfect or technically the good guy. But, like, it obviously wasn't one or the other being the ultimate bad person either. Uh, when it comes down to it. So like, I really love this movie because of the fact that it turned it on its head. Everybody assumed, Oh, this is a movie. Uh, there's a girl that's missing. Oh yeah. And then it's going to be, Oh, her husband did something shady. And even though the movie tried to like take you a little bit away from that, maybe there's some doubt that like he did anything. It's still like when that was being done, like it was just really super creative to where you're like, man, I don't, man, it's too easy. I don't think this movie's going to end like that, but it still got you to start thinking that a lot and everything, which I really love about it because like it, like I said, it turns it on its head. Uh, and I, I really want people to go watch the movie if they've never seen it. So I'm not going to go into great detail and super spoiler, but yeah, uh, basically it took that one kind of story that is normally told a certain way and like just kind of flipped it upside down, which I found and I loved. Nice. I have not seen this movie yet. I haven't yeah, seen it yet. Yeah, Gone Girl is uh, really super great. Uh, it's, uh, yeah, just a great story told a certain way, filmed great. Uh, it's not like uh, I am a horror fan, but this is really not a horror-like thing. It's just kind of like a a, a dark a dark story about this, like, uh, basically like a couple that had a little bit of fame and everything else and all that, and then things go haywire, but it's not what it seems. Everything's not what it seems in that movie. With that being said... Uh, Brennan, uh, we will go with your number four. Easy. Star Wars The Last Jedi. Now, those of you who know me well, as a deal and Justin do, know that I talk about this movie nonstop. Um, I think that I really like all the all five of the Disney era uh, Star Wars movies and um, I know that we just ended uh, the amazing run of Andor, which is incredible. The Last Jedi, to me, the reason I think it works for me is because it was completely unexpected. 
the twists and turns in this movie were not what I expected. And at first, I, I wasn't sure how I felt. Because it's a challenging movie. But the more I watch it, the more I really come to love it. And I love all of it. Like even some of the stuff that I know is a problem. For some people, I actually love all of it. And um, Ryan Johnson is an incredible filmmaker. I have not gotten to see Glass Onion yet. And um, I'm really excited because I love Knives Out. He also did Looper, which is a really good movie. And I really like the... And Justin and I talked about this. Luke Skywalker in this movie got to do the most powerful thing we had ever seen a Jedi do. And it wasn't a violent action. It was living the way the Jedi should. I like to think of this movie as a... It deconstructs Star Wars only to build it up and say, this is why we need it. This is why these stories matter. And I think it's got some incredible lessons, such as the greatest teacher failure is, or the lesson of that we need to be inspired. We need heroes. And I think that, you know, in, in the way that the world is right now, we need that inspiration. And um, I also think it might be the most beautiful looking Star Wars film. Also, I think that this is the movie where I think Adam Driver gives his greatest performance as Kylo Ren, where his acting is like he pulls out all the stops. And I also think that this is Mark Hamill's greatest performance in any role he plays, I think, as Luke Skywalker. And getting to see the Star Wars universe from this different angle is really something that I just have come to appreciate more and more over the years. All right, Adelia, because I'm I'm going to have a little bit to throw in on here. Uh, do you have anything like to add to like uh, this movie right here? Um, the Last Jedi is growing on me. I didn't get to see it in theaters, and I feel like missing out on that communal experience sort of harmed my viewing experience because I didn't get to see it till three months after it came out because of foot surgery. That's and right. um, I uh, I, it's not my favorite of the Disney era Star Wars movies, but. Um, it really is growing on me. Uh, I agree on your assessment of Adam Driver's performance. He's phenomenal in this movie. I, there there are parts of it that to me are still kind of a little boring, but it's a different opinion. And uh, I fully acknowledge that if you love this movie, you have every right to love this movie. It's the best made of the, the Star Disney era Star Wars movies. I'll say that much. Um but yeah, it's it's growing on me. This movie's growing on me a lot. Yeah, so I'm gonna go on a little bit of a thing here. So uh, mm -hmm. I didn't actually mention my ones that just were off my list. I'm gonna be honest with you. <laughs> the Last Jedi was something I was like contemplating throwing on there. Star Wars is obviously like my favorite franchise of all time. <clears throat> so I'm obviously gonna be looking at some of those movies because just personal favorites things here, right? This ain't me saying 
this should be your top five. This is my top five and Brandon's top five and Adelia's top five. <clears throat> so it's not like anything that goes against like, oh, this should be like whatever, like the top five movies of all time. The Last Jedi almost uh, made my list as an honorable mention. Uh, a Quiet Place is also a movie that's not going to make my top five. This should uh, be an honorable mention. And uh, mm. actually, uh, Ryan Johnson shows up on this list twice for honorable mentions for me because like uh, a looper is a great movie that Ryan Johnson made that is super awesome and almost also made my top five. Uh, almost too many to mention, but there's just a couple. But like with that being said, uh, The Last Jedi, I always knew it was something uh, different from the very beginning, from the first time I watched it, uh, the way the story was told and everything else. But I've said this a couple of times, like on other shows and stuff like that, which, by the way, I'm going to start doing a little bit of Star Wars content on the channel. And uh, actually, my first um, my first actual thing that I'm going to do uh, is going to be uh, is Ray that bad as far as a character goes. That's going to actually be like the first thing I do for Star Wars content. I'm getting it ready, getting some notes together and all that good stuff. But with that being said, uh, this movie uh, Luke Skywalker possibly barely broke into my top 10 favorite characters of the original trilogy or whatever. If you would have asked me before, Chewbacca is my favorite good guy, uh, as always been. And then, of course, I love all the like you got Vader and Bubba Fett and stuff like that of the world. I've always loved like the bad guys, like the Emperor and everything else more than most of the good guys. Uh, people like Han Solo and stuff would even rank above Luke Skywalker to me. Uh, even Obi-Wan Kenobi would probably rank above Luke Skywalker if you take the original trilogy, even though he's only in the first movie and he's not even throughout, but maybe like the first hour of the film and not even in it like a huge amount. I would still probably pick Obi-Wan Kenobi as like a better character to me than what Luke Skywalker was uh, to me personally. Uh, after I watched The Last Jedi, Luke Skywalker was definitely in the top 10. He, he, he was definitely solidly in the top 10 of characters of all time in Star Wars. He moved into that because of The Last Jedi, because I saw a real person. I didn't see this person who was just happened to be part of this like family who happened to be, you know, um, you know, bumps into people like uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi and stuff like that and 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 everything else and just happened to be like uh, pretty good at all the stuff and didn't have like he was able to shoot a proton torpedo into the Death Star and like save everybody and stuff. I mean, but in The Last Jedi, he felt more human than he ever had before because of the things he had to go through. He thought that, yes, I am like the, uh, one of the, or I'm supposed to be this Jedi, one of the last Jedis. I, I've saved the galaxy, but then mistakes were still made even afterwards and stuff with like him and uh, Ben Solo, uh, Kylo Ren and, and everything else. And then he, he kind of went into hiding, not really hiding, but he basically did the same thing that Yoda did. And like, he gets a bunch of crap for it and never understood why Yoda never did. Yoda went into hiding on Dagobah. You know what I'm saying? So, like, he did the same thing, you know, that one of the people that taught him how to be a Jedi did. Like, he followed that, and he kind of sat there and realized that there were so many mistakes that were made uh, during even the prequel era, during the original trilogy, and during his time, you know, where he was supposed to be the main Jedi. And he knew there needed to be changes and stuff like that. Uh, maybe even the Jedis didn't need to be there because of the things that happened in the past. But it made it more human. And like Brennan said, the Luke Skywalker tell goes into a thing to where Jedi's have never are have never the, the biggest mistake they made in the prequels was joining the war. They should have never been part of the war, period. And they joined in the war. That was a big mistake. Jedi's weren't supposed to do that. Literally the only reason why they have sabers is for defense, never to attack. And Luke Skywalker in The Last Jedi did the most Jedi thing that has ever been done in story. 
him showing up at that scene where Kylo Ren and them sitting over there with their big machinery and everything else with the, you know, those new style ATSDs and all that stuff right there, right? ATATs and all, all that. <clears throat> if he shows up and like starts uh, taking people down with the lightsaber, that's not being a Jedi. Yeah, it would feel good. You would want to throw your fist up in the air because here goes Luke Skywalker, the last Jedi, showing up and like asserting his dominance on screen and killing a bunch of fools. But at the same time, that's not what a Jedi is supposed to do. So what are you cheering for? You're not truly cheering for a Jedi at that point. But what he ended up doing sacrifices himself for a galaxy to buy enough time so that things can keep moving forward so that things can ultimately come to an end was more heroic than him showing up with a lightsaber. I just think most people want to see him show up with a lightsaber and be this badass, but that's not what being a badass is sometimes. Being a badass is sometimes is, is being the one that's the bigger person that can step up and say the right things at the right time or do what you got to do. Being a badass a lot of times does not involve being violent. It involves being passive at points to be able to understand and know the situations and stuff like that. So that's one of the reasons why I love uh, the last Jedi and it almost made this list because as we get more and more time away, the negativity is starting to slow down too, as well. It's a little bit more popular for you to say you actually like this film and everything else. This will probably be the biggest film that shows up on anybody's list during this show right here that has, and we just talked about it a lot. Me or Brenda did at least. Uh, but this film will probably be the most talked about that's on anybody's list in here. There's going to be a lot of people. If, if, if this were to catch on and we get a lot of views on this, there's going to be a, probably a lot of comments in there saying the last Jedi's garbage. Like straight up, but who cares? Because, like I said, this is the personal list. But yeah, Brennan, <laughs> me, me, me and Brennan just had a Star Wars show talking about this one Sorry, right yeah. now. Sorry. Oh, no, 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 no it's all good. It's fine. But, it's all good. Yeah, I the show. <laughs> but with that, we're going to go to Adelia's number four. My number four is also a Star Wars movie. It's my mm. favorite of the Disney era Star Wars movies, and that's Rogue One. Mm, yes. Yeah. I love this movie. Um, I have always been more of a Star Wars fan of the boots on the ground rebel stuff than the yeah. Jedi stuff or the, the Empire or any of that. And Rogue One gave me that. And I'm really looking forward to finishing Andor so I can yes. get a, a, a clearer picture on Cassian because Cassian's my favorite character from Rogue One. He fascinates me. And uh, this yeah. movie, I, I love this movie so much. I've watched this movie more than any other Star Wars movie, except for the original trilogy ones, and uh, it made my list. Yeah, go ahead with you guys say, Brandon. And, and, well, I know with Andor, it adds even like more meaning yep. to this film. That's what I've heard. You know, it's yeah. funny because we hear about the behind the scenes of this movie. This movie should not have turned out as well as it did, but it did. Yeah, I agree. I, I love this film. I do. I love uh, the negative talk about reshoots and stuff like that. This is going to be another failure, so called by the internet fans out there that got their Twitter fingers ready and started typing on their little keyboards and stuff like that. This was going to be uh, one of the first or major downfalls of Disney owning Star Wars because everybody hates the fact that Disney got it. I loved it because I knew movies are going to be made, and even if it wasn't movies that I was going to love. Like Star Wars actually being owned by a big company means I was going to get more Star Wars. And you know what? Maybe if it's only one out of three, I'm going to get a great movie in the Star Wars genre, something that I love regardless. Or the other option was we ain't getting shit. Like, so I would take uh, the movies from Disney, even if it's only one out of three that are great, more than getting nothing. Like, I don't understand what people, some people's points are, hating on the fact that, like, 
Disney owns it or whatever. I mean, of course, some big company was going to buy the rights for it because like it's a huge property or whatever. I mean, no doubt. But Rogue One, yes, another movie that could have been an honorable mention of mine. Rogue One, like Adelia says, one of the funnest movies to watch uh, during the Disney era. And also one of the more horrifying, if you take that one and a half to yeah, yeah. one minute and 15 segment of Darth Vader going down the hallway I mean, where the rebels trying to right exactly it was basically jason Voorhees, but darth vader with a lightsaber uh going through a hallway with these people trying to get the information uh to princess leia and the horrifying little like one moment right there makes it something i like to go back and even just watch that moment you know over and over and over again because it's so awesome and then if you watch this movie before the original trilogy when you see a new hope and you see Vader coming on the ship or whatever to like get the princess and everything else. Now there's even like another level level of hype. It's like, okay, always knew this guy was dangerous and a bad, but now I know him being dangerous and bad to a whole new level. Like now that even adds to like, Oh God, this is why I was terrified of this dude when I was a kid because of what he could have did in that one single hallway scene in row one. So yes, it'll always be, uh, one of my favorites and they wasn't scared like this is one of those things in Star Wars you usually make feel good movies everyone dies at the end all the characters that you get to know every single one of them dies like shoot even That's a character a very, you don't know a lot about in the actual cool movie choice. we learned in Andor that the guy who escapes with him actually joins the team to actually do the mission yeah. on Rogue One and that dude dies as well so watching Andor you actually feel for that guy, the guy that escapes the prison with him and they separate, they come back together for the mission for Rogue One on Scarif. And like he's actually one of the members of the team that dies. So yeah, that's uh pretty crazy to find out. And I think it's really interesting how they were able to do that. Do you um so you say Andor is your favorite of the characters? Mm -hmm. Or do you, do you have like a secondary favorite character from Rogue One? Uh Bodhi. Bodhi is a great yeah, Bodhi's a great character, yeah. I always love Chirrut, the blind monk. Chirrut is great too. They're all great. Yeah, they are. I mean, it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the, the most emotional things is fanboy. One of the most emotional uh, things in Star Wars is uh, his name might be said a little differently, but it's Baze Malbus, the guy with the big gun. He comes out there to like his partner, you know, the guy that you were talking about, the blind uh, Ochimwe, and he comes out there and he's like going across the thing. And uh, Chimway just died, right? And he's just going yeah. out there basically to try to just be with his friend. And and he's shooting these deaf troopers and everything else to keep him off his friend. And he holds his friend, you know, his head for a minute, like as he's dying. And like this whole time, he's been like joking about like, you know, not being part of the force or any of that stuff. Like it's mumbo jumbo and stuff like that. Even though he once believed it, he has stopped believing in it with seeing his friend dying in his arms, he starts repeating the phrase that his friend had been saying pretty much most of the movie. I'm one with the force and the force is with me. And like for him to start saying that again and for him to reclaim his faith that he had beforehand, like in death, is like super powerful. Like you don't have to have, like some people's like, oh, well, the characters aren't built. They, you don't have to have everything spoon fed to you to understand how important of a scene that was. That is a, a very important scene about these two good friends and one had uh, drifted off into his own thing and the other one stayed fast. And then at the very end, the one who had drifted off, he, he learned that he sh never should have done that. And in those last moments with him and his friend, he's like repeating those things and coming back to the faith that he once had. 
that's really powerful, no matter what kind of movie you're talking about, even a Star Wars movie. So, yes, love this, love this movie. But with that being said, we're going to get to my number four, and now we'll get to uh, actually talk about uh, – well, actually, I don't know if we will because my number four may even be higher up on Adelia's list than mine. So I'm pretty sure that happens to be it because we kind of spoiled that a second ago because my number four is Arrival. So do I need to stop because we're going to be talking about this later, obviously? Because mm. Well, it's my but, number three. So it's the next one for me. Right. So what we can do is Hambone's number four is Arrival. We're going to we'll go in a different order this round because we'll go ahead because I pulled this up and you've already done your number four. So we'll pull this up for you as your number three. So Adelia's number three is Arrival, which is my number four and Brennan's number five. Mm -hmm. I love this movie. I absolutely love this movie. It is um, so intelligent, and I love the use of time in it. Mm, yes. Time almost is a character in that movie to me, with the way that it's used. And I love the I love the aliens. I love the look of the language that they're speaking, and mm-hmm. Amy Adams is trying to decipher. I I just I love I love all of it. I go ahead, Brent. I I don't talk a lot in movie theaters like i don't say usually say anything out loud in a movie theater when the big twist happens in this film and i won't say what it is for those who are watching have not seen it i actually out loud said wow in the theater it was like it was like wow that was neat and um there's just the, the what it does with time but also with the the movie fools you a bit. Mm-hmm. And yet again, I won't say how for those who haven't seen it. Uh, and it's really cool to see. Not only is it a great story, but it shows how editing works in a movie. How editing can lead you to build a story in your head. And like I said, there's a twist. I won't reveal it. But it's probably one of the best movie twists, I think. Because it's very intelligent twist. Yes. I love this movie. And the reason why it was my number four and it's Adelia's three and, and Brennan's five is uh, it actually is a movie that is like uh, weirdly can hit a bunch of different things all at once for people because this is one of these movies, right? Like I'm a big horror genre fan. You could call this like a, a, a semi-horror movie, right? It has some mm, of those yeah. effects to it, some of the darker tones and darker storytelling. But it's also got the super intelligent way, like super intelligent, like she's a teacher that uh, teaches communication and stuff. So if you're a person that loves that kind of thing, right, like uh, uh, people trying to solve puzzles, because that's basically what it is. She's trying to solve the puzzle of this language and everything like so you could be a super smart and intelligent film like, you know what I'm saying? And you love it. Or you could just love the creative style of the storytelling, you know, all bunch of things matched into one that's done so uh really uh perfectly it could have easily been higher on my list i got the other ones uh, on my list a little bit higher just for like minor reasons but the one thing i love about this movie to be honest with you is one of the things that i think everybody needs to sit back and learn especially during the time of the internet and and all the things that we do like no matter what discourse it is like uh star wars always gets a lot of hate because of the fans and talking and the negativity and stuff but see like i've always thought it was across the board but it just wasn't as prevalent in other things. But now with Harry Potter, you got the same thing. Star Wars, 
uh, MCU's getting it now. It took a while for MCU to start getting it, but now they're starting to get it. Uh, stuff with like She-Hulk and everything else. Uh, Lord of the Rings with their new TV show because the fans didn't love it or because the Hobbit series wasn't that good. It's got its negativity in it as well and stuff and like all these different things. I think a lot of things that it comes down to is the reason why it seems so heated sometimes and so like toxic sometimes and stuff like that is one of the things that this movie teaches us communication communication is key right how you communicate going on twitter and saying this movie's garbage is like a very poor way to like communicate your feelings towards a certain thing uh, or just saying this is stupid or this is dumb like it's not a very good way to communicate and this movie teaches us like that these foreigners basically right like coming to our world and everything else the biggest key was being able to learn to communicate so that we could learn to see why they're there and not just assume they're there for bad reasons or not just assume that there's this or that going on because of the simple thing it teaches us that communication is the key to all things in life whether it's father and son relationship a uh, husband and wife boyfriend and girlfriend uh mom and, and daughter it doesn't matter what it is communication is key communication is the biggest thing that you're going to have right and in discourse even about film like we're having right now communication right if you just came on here and said like oh you're like a rival i think it's garbage and that's all i said i'm really not trying to even get a point across there's no communication uh there there's really nothing that you can actually sink your teeth into and actually do so i love this movie for those reasons it teaches us a very valuable lesson it tells us in a creative way. It does it smartly. It does it darkly. And it does it like with some heart as well at the end, right? Like with her and her her child and stuff in that movie and everything else. Like it's a really uh, great uh, told story, showed story. I love all of it, to be honest with you. And it could have easily made it higher on my list. Like I said, I can give reasons why that it was my number four and I got three movies above it. And I'll tell them when we get to those uh different ones and the best design of aliens i think i've ever seen I, yeah i don't know if it was like this the the best design period for me but i love uh the way that the, the story was told like, and it was creative right like uh i love the movie signs from m night Shyamalan, for instance because of the fact that it takes a genre that usually was like world of worlds or whatever right like uh independence day where it's always the aliens coming and everybody's fighting them and everything and they actually stayed within one household like this is what this family had to deal with during a time of an alien invasion i thought that was really cool because it was a different take i really liked the movie just because it was shown differently like in this movie you're talking about the aliens were actually shown differently but we'll go to brennan what was your number three ridley scott's the martian the martian is incredible because well first off ridley scott He's got a an interesting track record, to say the least. The man has done incredible films like Alien and Blade Runner and Gladiator, and the list just goes on. He's also done some movies that are not very good, I don't think. This was a return to form because... Prior to this, he had Prometheus, which was, I don't think it's bad, but it was kind of divisive. And then he did The Counselor, which got horrendous reviews. And then he made this movie, and this movie is 
No, my dad, this is one of his favorite movies, and my dad loves the book. And now I've never read the book, but he said this is a very accurate adaptation of the book. Um, I just love the idea that not only are we dealing with Matt Damon, who is a very charismatic one-man show actor in this movie, you also have an incredible supporting cast. Yeah, usually when movies cast a lot of A-listers, I tend to get a little nervous that their talent's going to be wasted. Not in this movie. Um, I mean, whether it's Jeff Daniels or even people who were surprising like Donald Glover and Krista Wig, or even people like, uh, you know, uh, Jessica Chastain and, and uh, uh, Michael Tanya just an incredible cast of characters that are actors that some of them you might expect to see in a movie like this like to tell edge for and then others where it's like Kristen wig in a sci-fi movie and she's not just doing straight comedy it's like this is an incredible cast also the look of this movie is incredible the the orange light filters on mars the way that this movie is actually one of the few science fiction films that's not really science fiction. The only reason it's science fiction is because we haven't actually gone to Mars yet. But all the technology is stuff that we really have in real life. And just th this story of the, the, the ingenuity of getting this guy home. Uh, everything it took to do that and just using science using the environment to really figure things out and so it's it's very creative and it's also just a lot of fun it's the score is great but so is the great use of music particularly a lot of disco a lot of david bowie modern music of that era which is really neat and it's really a love letter to everybody at NASA who works so hard to do these amazing, amazing things. And so I just absolutely adore this movie. Nice. Uh, Delia, do you have anything to say about The Martian? I've never seen The Martian. I really want to. Um, I haven't read the book yet either. So I'm looking forward to seeing it even more after hearing Brent, Brennan's words. Man, my words exactly. I was almost going to say the exact same thing. I haven't seen this movie, so I really can't say a whole lot about it. But after hearing uh, Brennan speak so passionately about it, that's a movie I'm going to put on some kind of list or whatever and watch whenever I can. But with that being said, we'll go to my number three, which is Django Unchained. Mm, yes. uh, the reason why I have this movie, like even a little bit ahead of Arrival, which I think is super great, is because I think this movie does almost the impossible. I think... Quentin Tarantino is one of the greatest filmmakers of all time. I don't care. I'll argue with anybody with that uh, and everything else. I mean, uh, top three uh, filmmakers of all time to me is Fincher, uh, Quentin Tarantino, and uh, M. Night Shyamalan. M. Night Shyamalan, I get your arguments. I, I'll take that. Like, right, you know what I'm saying? I'm not going to sit here and force the that on top, top three. Are, are really but, but Quentin Tarantino is one of the greatest filmmakers of all time. And the reason why I say that is he took a movie 
Like you go back and you look at a movie like Blazing Saddles that was done back in the day. <laughs> and you look at a movie like that and you go, man, that could not be made today. Nah, that can't be. That's impossible. You can't do it. Not with today's climate, not with the social media. Can't happen, man. The, the Just the blowback, everything would just be horrible and terrible. Django Unchained did that, which I thought was impossible. He made you be able to see a movie with some really bad things in it, some really bad, like, uh, you know, story beats and everything else, right? Like, that was uh, pretty, you know, pretty close to the time period that it was held in, right? Like, and was able to do it in a way that you didn't walk out feeling bad for watching it, right? Like, it could have easily went a totally different direction where you walked out of that and be like, oh, man, I just watched that movie. I kind of feel dirty because, like, the, the topics and the things that are said, right? Like, and so put some people that didn't know that movies about uh, basically uh, a guy who was a slave, uh, he gets freed by this gentleman that happens to be like, just like a salesman that's going or actually a bounty hunter that's going around. And uh, so he saves uh, Jamie Foxx's character and they hook up together and become bounty hunters together throughout the movie and stuff. But he's a black man, obviously like in a very bad time of history and all this stuff and there's things done there's things that are said that 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 are correct for the time period that things people would probably do but the way it's done the way it's crafted masterfully makes it to where you could see that style movie you could see that style story and be like okay that's fine they they, they if you take certain moments of this film and you take it out of context and you just take like a 10 second clip at certain points you'd be like oh my god like what in the world is this this is horrible but then when you take it in full context and you see the whole film and you see what was done, uh, man, it's crafted just so great, so good and, and everything else. And like, like I said, this movie uh, makes my top five and makes it in my top three because it done something that I thought was practically impossible to be able to do. And it was able to do it. I think that I know that this movie is controversial to some. I think rightly so. Because it's dealing with a very heavy, yeah, controversial topic. I know that for myself, there are some people. I don't know if this is, you know, in case anybody is has been misled by other marketing or whatnot. This is not a comedy, as much as some people thought it was a comedy. Uh, there are moments in it that are very funny. Uh, there are also moments in it, as Justin points out, that are utterly horrifying. There's this one scene where this slave is up in a tree because these guard dogs are going to kill him if he comes down. And I'm thinking, watching it, going, no, this does not sugarcoat slavery. No, it sure doesn't. What's horrible. And also the, um, well, it definitely has that Tarantino wit to it like most tarantino movies it doesn't fit into any particular genre per se because it goes all over the map and if this film is something that you as a viewer have a hard time with that's fine because it you think it's meant to be dealing with some pretty hard stuff it's meant to be uncomfortable, but in a way, like I said, it, it's magical in the fact that it can let you see a scene like you just talked about. Mm -hmm. But then you also laugh and stuff. And like I said, when you go out of the movie, you talk about how great the movie is. You're not talking about 
oh, this is horrible stuff <clears throat> because of the way it's put together. I mean, it's just uh, just fantastic how it's done uh, in, in that way. And it's just crazy that it was able to be done in the time that it was done. Right. Doing something like this in the 60s or 70s wouldn't even have been a big deal. Like I said, go watch Blazing Saddles. That's crazy. <laughs> but like in, in this era for a movie like that to be able to be done in a partially funny, serious tone. And dude, Quentin Tarantino, two of the best scenes that's ever, maybe even three of the best scenes that I've ever seen in movies is Quentin Tarantino writing things where people sitting at a table in this film at the very end, Leonardo DiCaprio's uh, DiCaprio. I think I just said Crapio on accident. But Leonardo DiCaprio's scene where he's like uh, with Samuel Jackson and all of them, and that whole dinner scene right there where they find out, oh, this was Home Dude's wife or whatever, and she's actually part of this uh, oh, uh, house yeah. and everything yeah. else. But like um, the scene in Inglorious Bastards where they are talking about drinking milk possibly yes. and stuff like yeah. at the table. One of the most riveting scenes, this scene in like one of his first movies, Reservoir Dogs, where they're all sitting at a table talking about if you should tip or not, or even in the car when they're riding to the actual scene uh, where uh, Jules and them were riding to the scene and they're talking about like uh, a foot massage. There's these crazy like things that he's able to do just with like words and just with like conversations that people could have that is just so riveting. And makes you like white knuckle the seat, unlike uh, sometimes an action movie or a horror movie will do. It's just crazy. But Adelia, do you have anything about Django and Chain? I, I don't know if this I've is never seen it. Yeah, I've never seen it. I'm not sure I ever will. This is not my kind of film. I don't know. Uh, like I said, I, this may be a film that you could go watch and surprisingly walk away from it and go, okay, I didn't think it was going to, I thought it was going to be something totally worse. And it turns out not to be as bad as you thought. Like I said, of course, there's some bad things in there, but uh, but it's done so well that it's not like it doesn't hit you the same as if it was just a very serious, 100% serious movie on a topic like that. But with that yeah. being said, Adelia, what is your number two film? Uh, my number two is Logan. Mm. I absolutely love this film. Mm -hmm. um, I, I normally don't like films that are so violent, but the... Uh, the violence in this seems fitting for the character of Wolverine after so many years of X-Men movies. Um, it's a great send-off for, for Patrick Stewart. I thought it was a great send-off for Hugh Jackman, but apparently we're getting mm -hmm. some version of Hugh Jackman as Wolverine and Deadpool I'm very excited about. Um, I, I love, love, love Laura, X-23. Yes, yes. Um, she's my favorite part of the movie. Um, I I waited so long to see her on screen, and um, they brought her to life in an amazing way. Daphne Keene does an incredible job mm -hmm. portraying her, and uh, I I thought it was a fitting end for Logan in that little Fox X Men universe that doesn't exist anymore, or mm -hmm. does it? Who knows? I guess that remains to be seen now. But uh, that's my number two. Nice. I think. Um... I love this movie, and to keep it brief, so I don't, so I don't talk about it too much. Um, Patrick Stewart, as we know, is one of the finest actors of our time. This was his greatest performance. I think not just as Professor X, but that I've ever seen him get. Uh, and this man, of course, we know from Star Trek and things is. A massive talent, so that was an incredible performance. 
And then Death Be Keen is a revelation as uh, X-23. And I'm so excited that she's going to be in the Star Wars series, The Acolyte. Because she Me is too. very talented. And uh, yeah, that's what I got to say about this movie. So. Uh, the biggest thing about Logan is it easily could have been my number two. It was it, it literally like uh, before I sat down and we started doing the filming, Logan was on the top of my mind. And it's one of those weird things to where if I didn't put it at number two, it doesn't make my top five. Like I almost would have had to tell Adelia off. Oh, we can't talk about that now. We're going to talk about that later. But there's a reason why I have another movie that's on my list. Uh, and then there's the reason why I have my four five and like uh, three that I have as well and they needed to be on there but if i could have switched out two uh it would have actually came at this point moment uh logan is great not because of the fact that it, yeah it's a superhero movie but who even cares about the superhero part of this movie nobody really truthfully cares about that you literally could have took uh wolverine's powers away and uh whatnot and this would have been a great story to tell i'm gonna be honest with you like uh this movie is one of the greatest tellings of like or a showings, I should say, uh, or betrayal of someone with Alzheimer's. That's like actually a big, huge, like hit movie and not some obscure movie or whatever. That's the indie film that's talking about the subject or got like a character that's got it or whatever. This is truly like top notch, uh, super wide, big money making movie that has a character that has something like that. That's like a super like a uh, huge like step you know what i'm saying more eyes were able to see stuff like that like that may wonder like how it is and like you said dude the performance was just amazing and out of this world i you know like we we all like to look at the main character and stuff like that most of the time but uh no like you know professor x in this movie was one of the greatest things that you will see like if you just take his the, what he was able to do and how he was able to portray that and act that in this movie like super great like but the story that was told on here was super serious it was uh uh and it was fun at the same time it had like the action that you wanted to get and stuff at certain moments and everything else but like the y'all y'all know the name but the little girl at the x23 obviously was really super awesome and like she didn't really say anything uh, i don't even think she can't like i don't even think in real life maybe now she does because he's probably a little older obviously from the movie but like uh i don't even know if at the time like she could even speak english but like her performance was like super powerful just by like the way she acted and the way she done her movies uh, like movements and body acting and stuff like that like was just super great and super wonderful and it's one of those movies that transcends like comic like people this is the movie that you know there might be one or two others but this is the movie that like if someone says something about the comic book like Scorsese's uh dumb self not long ago saying his comments about like comic book movies not being real movies or whatever no, this is a, a perfect example of comic book films being truthfully real films. Like, to be honest with you, this could have easily won film of the year that year. And I don't think anybody should have been or should have even wanted to complain if it would have won uh, that Academy Award because this story was beyond superhero. Right. The, the, and that's one of the things about like superhero movies and some of them that jump off the screen is the fact that they be, go beyond being a superhero movie. You don't even care that it's a superhero movie. You care about, oh, God, wait, this is a great story, but it has a superhero in it. So, yeah, I totally agree. But it's like I said, it's one of those weird things to where this could have easily been at my number two on the list, but it didn't make it because I felt that my number two was more impactful, especially like for me. But like it's also that weird thing where I didn't want to put it at four or five or three because it's almost disrespectful. 
Yep. But all right. Uh, with that being said, Brennan, what is your number two? Marvel's The Avengers. This is the one that it didn't start at all, but this definitely started the. I mean, we know that 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 uh, Iron Man is the beginning of the MCU. This is the movie that kicked it to high gear, and yeah. I remember that you know we had um, Iron Man, Iron Man Two, Captain America, the First Avenger, The Incredible Hulk, and Thor. Those are the movies that came uh, before this film, and I remember thinking that whether or not this this team up was going to pay off. And my word did it. This is still, I think, one of the highest grossing movies of all time. This is one of the most beloved superhero films. Uh, I know that for a lot of people, it is their favorite superhero film. And I think that when people think of the superhero movie genre, this is the epitome of what they think about. And this is probably one of the best examples of that what sort of what all superhero movies are trying to be nowadays and and some well thankfully we've learned with some of the best superhero movies is they don't have to be like this this movie though is is definitely raising it raised the bar it raised the bar as to what you could do in a movie like this and also just a great cast of characters getting to see them play off each other is amazing this is the movie that made me appreciate some of the characters more like black widow uh, i think scarlet you know up to that point i've only been in i think one of the mcu movies and if she was only kind of there just to be kind of cute and that was it. It was this movie that gave her a character. And um, also, you know, getting to see them all together is just marvelous. And I, this will always be my second favorite superhero film of all time. And definitely in my top 20 favorite films ever. And that's my number two. All right, Adelia, what do you got about the Avengers? I, I love Avengers. Um, this is the movie that made me go back and watch the beginning of the MCU because I missed Iron Man and all of that when it came out in theaters. Um, and I watched them in the lead up to Avengers because I saw a trailer for this and I thought, ooh, that looks interesting. Let's 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 watch this. And I realized I needed to do a little bit of homework beforehand. But even without having seen all even with um that I think you can watch this movie having not watched the solo movies leading up to it and get caught up pretty quickly on who these characters are and what they're doing. Um, I love this movie. It's probably, it's not my second favorite Marvel movie, but it's my second favorite Avengers movie. And um, I just, it's very, very good. And it sort of kickstarted a comic book movie obsession for me that had kind of gone a little dormant after the X-Men movies kind of, petered out a little bit um there in the 2000s so um i love this movie what about you justin yeah my biggest thing about this movie right here is uh it is 
I love this movie. And it, it it proved that like, oh, you can have more than like two main characters. You can have like maybe eight main characters and actually make a movie work. And I think the weird part about this is, is that Josh Whedon is the director of this movie. And this guy didn't really have a lot of like major film like uh, experience and everything. But I actually think that helped because he did shows like uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer and stuff before this, right? With a bunch of different characters and all those shows. So I actually think in a weird way, it's one of those things that like when you go back in time and you go, man, why'd they pick this guy? Yeah, I like his stories, but he doesn't have a lot of film like work or whatever. But I actually think this was a very smart move for like uh, uh, Kevin Feige to actually pick him to do this particular movie, especially like the first big like team up movie uh, especially in this uh, genre coming out because like Josh Whedon had an experience with not just, a, it, don't, it It wasn't more about the movie part of it. He had help there. Right. But it was more about the getting 10, 12 different characters like you would have in a TV show all working against each other or for each other. Like he had that experience of getting those actors and stuff ready and get and being able to tell all the different stories that are involved in those and able to do that in a movie format. And so I actually think it was like a sneaky good choice, like for them to actually pick that for the Avengers. It's a super great movie. Didn't make my top five, but like at the time, like, you know, we'd have done this like sooner and maybe it would have been my only comic book movie, like on the list or whatever. Right. Like, so it, it is like, there's been so many things that's came out now that it's not, you know, at the top of my list, but there ain't no doubt about it. It's like a super great movie, super great movie. And, and well-deserved for, like, a number two, like I said, because, like, especially, like, on my last one and it, uh, that kind of thing, it did set up a lot. So, like, your favorite could be not just because, oh, technically it may not be the best film, but it actually meant more to you. And sometimes that's what happens for people. Uh, and, like, so with my number two, uh, we'll get into that, it's kind of that thing. And I might have misspelled the last name of this, but the, my – Number two is something I know Adelia ain't going to talk crap about. She's going to be away from this. Maybe even Brennan. This is Train to Busan, Korean zombie film. This right here brought zombie films back to for me, right? Like, because I love the George A. Romero old school zombie movies and everything else, right? And I live and love, like, uh, the remake of, like, uh, Day of the De or Dawn of the Dead and everything else. Uh, and even, like, the show at first for, like, The Walking Dead, all these kind of shows and stuff and movies. Here and there, we got sparingly, but it kind of went dormant for a while to me, like where we could get this really good and great movie about the zombie genre. I love the horror genre, and that's like two of my favorite things combined. And then I get this, Train to Busan uh, coming out. Like I said, it's a Korean film, uh, just amazing. Uh, it's just creative in the fact of like, it's a train, and it's it, it's going, and zombies get on this train, you ain't got nowhere to go. It's just balls of the wall. But at the same time, it's very creative, like uh, basically setting different characters. And even though you got to read the text, right? Like, cause you can't speak uh, Korean or whatnot. You have to read the text on the bottom of the screen. It still does a very good job of like showing you all these different aspects, all these different kinds of people uh, and creative with that. Right? Like, so you have the guy who's like brave and the guy that's this, and there's a woman that's this and a woman that's that all these different uh, kinds of people that just happened to meet at the worst time ever and having to make it through this and stuff. And like uh, the, the whole story's cool. Uh, it's, it's simple, but yet at the same time, like intricate, like this is one of the best zombie films that you could probably see of all time. Uh, 
but because of that it's on there because it like awakened the zombie genre again for me uh and during this time and it was just amazing that it was like a korean film like this is my favorite foreign film of all time period well except maybe there's something i'm just not thinking of right now that's up there that's super great as well but like for me as far as my memory goes right now i'm getting old so it's going away a little bit train to busan my favorite foreign film of all time like every time i'll watch it i don't need to have no english dub this movie i will read the text i don't give a crap give me this movie and give it to me all the time i will let you two guys expound upon that but i know like adelia is not gonna say nothing because she don't even know this movie probably exists oh i know this movie exists i've just never seen it never will and I haven't, seen it either. I haven't seen it either. If you can deal with horror, go watch Train to Busan. Like, it, it don't care. Don't it don't matter if uh, you have to read a little bit. Uh, learn how to read if you don't know how to read. Uh, I know there's some other people in Alabama that don't know how to read still, mm -hmm. but like, uh, go learn how to read so that you can watch this story and enjoy it uh, and everything else. It's more than just a horror film. It's a horror film, and it's and it's it does all the stuff you expect in a zombie thing, but at the same time. It's like uh, got a lot of actually like it's it's it seems to be a very shallow movie. Oh, it's a train that's going to Busan and zombies show up. But then there's a lot of like depth to it that you didn't even expect whenever you first watched it. Like I was just watching it to have some fun and watch some zombies and then uh, got to learn and see way more than I actually uh, bargained for whenever the actual I saw the film. So like great, wonderful movie. If you love horror, love uh, zombies. Boom. One of the best out there, if not one of the best of all time. But here we go. Final round. Adelia, your number one movie of all time. Mm. Not of all time, but of the 2010s. Well, the <laughs> yeah. Uh, A Star is Born. Ooh. The uh, Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga film. Mm. Um, I went and saw this with my sister in the theater, and we had a great time. The music is phenomenal. Um, they both are incredible singers, and Bradley Cooper does a great job directing this film. Um, I thought Lady Gaga's performance in this was amazing. I did not expect her to have um, a uh, to be able to act as well as she does in this film. Um, I expected, obviously, the music would be good, but uh, she really surprised me with the, her performance. Um, I didn't know i'd never seen another version of this film i know there are, are three others i think maybe maybe four um uh, so i didn't know the story going in or anything like that so i um i was pleasantly surprised by it and i thoroughly enjoy it and i watch it every once in a while and just uh have a good time nice brennan i have not seen this film yet Oh, I have wow. seen the first two versions of A Star is Born, the 1937 and 1954 versions. I have not seen the one with Streisand or this one. I know that it definitely was beloved when it came out. Uh, I know one thing about this film, and that's the song they play on the radio all the time. I think it's called like The Shallows or something. Shallow. Shallow. I mean... Look, but from what Adelia just said, uh, this is one of those things to where you see a person in a film, it's like opposite, right? In this one, she saw a singer go in and do a great job acting. Well, a lot of times you see actors uh, end up being in a movie 
like say a uh, Ewan McGregor or something like that, like in uh, what was it, Moulin Rouge or something? Like you see an actor go in and actually be able to sing, you're like, what the hell? Okay, like he can actually put some notes together. But Brennan, what is your number one film of the 2010s? Just a little rarely seen movie, a little movie called Inception. Yeah, yeah, Christopher I'm glad. Inception. I'm glad that you picked this movie as your number one because. I was afraid because we had gotten so far that nobody was going to pick this. This movie definitely deserves to be on our top fives. Uh, but yeah, go ahead. Uh, I think that you know, 2010 was a great year for movies. Yeah, The Social Network, Out of Junior Dragon, Tangled, Inception, King's Speech. Good films that year. And I think that you could argue whether or not The Dark Knight or Inception is Christopher Nolan's greatest film. Inception, I think, is genius because, like a great film, you can watch it again and again and again and find something new. And there's amazing interpretations of this movie. Uh, I found some incredible videos on YouTube about certain elements of what this movie might mean. And the fact that it might have multiple meanings. Um, yet again, another incredible cast of actors. I mean, Leo, Elliot Page, um, Marianne Cotillard, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. You know, it, it's just marvelous in that sense, and also in the sense of the, the multi-level dream and the the idea that it's kind of a heist film to a degree and it's a thriller and it's got the trappings of an action film and yet there's so much more uh, cerebral element to this film and I just think that I could go on and on and on about why this movie is great whether it's Hans Zimmer's score, whether it's Molly Fister's cinematography whether it's the art direction, I mean, it just, on every level, I think this movie is still making at its highest quality. This is one of my favorite movies of all time, and my favorite film of the 2010s. All right, Adelia, is this one that you were able to catch or see? I've never seen it, no. No, this is a movie I'm definitely telling you to go watch, this right here. It's great. Like I said, it deserved to be on the top five. Just don't happen to be on mine. But this is a great like puzzle mystery thing that Brennan's kind of bringing up. Right. He, he brought it up a little bit when he was talking about it. But it kind of reminds me. Of, it, it's a way better movie than Mulholland Drive. Like Mulholland Drive's got its own little thing, but it's like a movie that you can go see. And like you can have your own thing about what's going on, what's happening during the film, like what it really means and everything else. Kind of like that movie, Mulholland Drive. Uh, in Inception, but it's done super amazing, and we got the CGI that we've got today. Uh, it's just a man. There's just scenes in there, like hallway scene. There's the just all kinds of sight scene. I think yeah. ever on film. It's just crazy, man. Like what, what they what were able to do with this, uh, the way they were able to trick you with illusions and stuff. Like some of them real, some of them CGI. You know, like uh, just all those little things. Like there's a moment where uh, I think it's Leo and a girl's like walking up some stairs. And it, it's like a camera trick, basically, because you think the stairs go like uh, further down and then it, like the camera starts to pan up 
and then you see, oh, there's not stairs there. You just thought they were. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just crazy yeah. things, obstacle illusion stuff that they were doing. It was super smart, super crazy. I I liked it. And like I said, I think it deserved to be on the top five. It just didn't happen to make it on mine. So I'm glad somebody, I'm glad Brennan had it. Uh, but I guess we'll go to my uh, number one movie of the 2010s. And uh, it's kind of almost bold because this is the movie that, this is the reason why I almost stopped Adelia as she was saying one of her movies because my number one movie of the 2010s is Avengers Affinity War. So we all had an Avengers movie on here. We just all happen to have a different Avengers movie. Mine is this movie right here because it's 10 years worth of work of work, of work that actually came uh, to us. Infinity War to me uh, is better than Endgame uh, because of the fact that we did have 10 years of basically, hey, meet this guy. He's got a superhero. Or meet this girl. They got a superhero or a superpower. And uh, you learn how to use said superpower and then the bad guy dies. Either it's from them or by accident or whatever. And it was just rinse repeat rent always interesting because there are different characters technically and the stories they tried to tell it in was all different and all this stuff and then when they started getting to the sequels they were able to go in depth and all that stuff but there was a lot of superhero superpowers bad guy dies this movie right here the bad guy doesn't die this movie right here made you think that all the movies that you've seen before it those 10 years worth of films the mcu uh, putting together all their stuff was the actual buildup to this movie right here because whenever the ending happens in Infinity War, when the bad guy wins, you're there left in shock because you can't believe they did it. You can't believe that this happened, that all this loss happened. The good guys didn't win after all their fights, all their struggles and everything. Like this bad guy was able to prevail, that there finally was stakes in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, that things can happen that you won't expect, that people uh, can get snapped out of existence, like literally. Uh, Infinity War to me is just so great and so awesome because not only did the bad guy win, but there were points in this film when you think about it that the bad guy might even be right. He might even be correct in his assessment of what needs to be done. And you kind of hate yourself because you're sitting back going like, yo, he's got a good point, but you don't want to feel like he's got a good point. You don't want to sit there and go, oh, man, he's making a little bit of sense. You don't want to feel that way because what he wants to do is bad. He wants to knock out half the world's population with one snap of the finger to be able to, but at the same time is to save the planet. And he wasn't just going in this blindly and making a rash decision. He's seen that happen to his home world, the exact same thing that would eventually happen to this world, to earth. So like he actually has a reason for it. There's like, he's got personal experience of things that happen. So when you look at the character and you're just like, Oh my God, like he's trying to kill half the world's population. That's crazy. But is it? Right. When you have to say, is it actually crazy? Like, is he completely wrong? Like when you think to that to yourself, like I said, it makes you feel like, oh, my God, I shouldn't think that. But it's making me think that like I so I love this thing. I love it. It's great because, like I said, it kind of uh, I fist pumped at this moment and then realized I shouldn't be because uh, there's other people that just saw me get excited that a lot of good characters that they love died. Right. Like because I was excited for the comic book genre to be like, okay, at least they will eventually take chances. That's one of the reasons why I love the new Doctor Strange this year. They made a they made a choice and they took chances in that movie 
that you don't expect in this like superhero always make you feel good always bad guy loses good guy wins or after some kind of struggle or whatever kind of situation this turns it upside down i, I actually watched this movie and i don't want to watch Endgame because Endgame, even coming up to the film even the like year or so that we had to wait because they filmed these pretty close together I didn't almost want to go watch Endgame because even before I walked in the door, I knew that everything that happened that made this movie right here great was going to be reversed somehow, and it was. So that's kind of a downer. Even though Endgame has some great moments, and I still like the movie, still enjoy it, to me, it overshadowed or uh, kind of like undoes the greatness that Mar Marvel Avengers Infinity War was able to accomplish. And it's my number one because I do think the decade that was the 2010s, Marvel pulled off something that I don't think anyone will ever be able to accomplish again leading up to this particular movie right here. And that's put together that much stuff closely together over a 10-year span, build the story for over 10 years and have it actually cultivate and excite the community like it did for those 10 years. I don't think any other franchise will be able to do that. Maybe Star Wars has an outside chance, but they got to put some good stories together to get there. Uh, Star Wars ain't even making movies right now, but that's the thing. What Marvel was able to accomplish may not ever be copied again, may not ever be possible again. It was the perfect storm, and they were able to pull it off, and that's why it's my number one. I think that Thanos. You know, we we it's been discussed at length that some of the MCU's villains are not particularly interesting. Thanos was by far. And yeah. Also, the, the build-up to this character that we've heard about, that they talked about for 10 years, that there'd been whispers about in the movies, finally getting to see him, and Josh Brolin is extraordinary as Thanos. The performance character is so unbelievably good that this guy is a fully realized character that you completely believe that he exists. And some of the, a surprisingly deeper character, um, not just a mustache twirling villain, but a, a, a calculated man with not a necessarily a bad idea necessarily but the way that he of course went around it was bad and then also more emotionally layered than i i expected and um i think that the battle scenes in here are some of the best they've ever done and just there's so much to talk about and i believe that for me it's thanos that really steals the show oh yeah i agree adelia I love this movie. I I love that at the end of this movie, Thanos had won. I do. I love that because it's different and nobody expected it. I I remember people saying, "Oh yeah, there's probably going to be the snap, but but they'll fix it in Infinity War, and then there'll be a bigger battle with Thanos in the at that time untitled second part." And I remember when I glanced at my watch. I, right after the Thanos snap, and I went, this movie's almost over. Oh my god, they're going to end it on this note. 
-hmm. And I thought it was great that we all sat there for a year, just like, how are they going to fix this? We all knew it was going to get fixed, but how are they going to fix this? Because they left it on such a, a bleak moment. Um, I love the battle scenes in Wakanda. I love the Thor meeting the Guardians. I, I love so much about this movie. It's a, it's a great movie. Yeah. yeah. The the thing about this movie was, too, and I've told this in the Discord before, so I'll say it here. And I may have even said it on another show before, but watching this movie, I had went and watched it. I had some friends, and we went and watched it late, so my son couldn't go. So I went and watched it beforehand. And then the next day I took my son to go see it because he wanted to go see it. He loves Spider-Man. And so he definitely wanted to go see it. He's not even a big fan of the other people of Avengers. He's just such a big Spider-Man fan. He wanted to go see a movie with Spider-Man in it. So I took him to go see the movie and it didn't click. And it gets to the spot where the snap happens and it's going through the different characters and stuff. And I'd already seen the film. So I knew what was about to happen. And, uh, but then I realized it went to where Spider-Man and Iron Man and them were all like trying to do their thing. And it's right after the snap and mm. Spider-Man starts to do his like thing, you know, talking to Iron Mr. Man. Stark, like, I don't feel so good. I don't feel so good and stuff like that. Right. And I see out of the corner of my eye, I, I'm like, oh, crap, I forgot. Like, oh, man, my my son's not going to like this. And he was younger than he is now. He's 15 now. <laughs> So he was way younger than this, but like in the corner of my eye, I see him and I feel super bad immediately because he's not doing the ugly crying. He's not making the sounds that you would hear of someone sobbing, but it was like seeing two waterfalls gush out of my son's eyes. And like, he didn't want other people to see it. So he started just doing this right here, but he couldn't stop the tears from flowing mm. from his cheeks during that scene. So the one thing that's redeeming about Endgame, even though I think it reverses a lot of the importance of Infinity War to a certain point, was the fact that I got to take him to go see uh, Endgame, knowing that Spider-Man was going to come back. And the moment that Spider-Man does come back and be able to do some of his stuff, my son being excited for that. But I just remember seeing those tears and being like, man, this is super bad. My son feels super terrible and everything else. And I just walked out of the movie theater uh, trying to let him uh, see the light, you know, like, hey, they're they're going to make another one. He's like, Dad, what if they're lying to us? What if they're not making a movie? What if they said that the fool is because they didn't want us to think the Spider-Man wasn't really dead and they're just making the story up that they're going to bring him back and they're not because he's really dead. And he just keeps saying that and stuff because, like, at the time, he was a lot younger than he was now. So, like, he, he understood things, but, like, it was that point of, like, he, he even understood it well enough to where he was like, man, maybe they were tricking us, Dad. And everything. I was like, son, he's got like his own movie that's coming. Well, what if that movie's about the time before this happens, dad? Like, and all this stuff. He's like just telling me all these things. He's working out in his head. He's so super sad that Spider-Man died. So I'm just trying to let him see the light and, and everything else. But like, and I was able to calm him down. And obviously, we had a great time seeing Endgame together. Uh, but at the end of this movie, I was trying to show my son the light. Thanos, he got to walk out into the sunshine into the light and, and know that he won know that he did what he did i love the fact that this dude went to a farm he put all of his gladiator stuff away like he didn't need it anymore he just wanted to chill he wanted to plant some like you know corn or some whatever plant he was going to plant where he was at like and everything he didn't even want to fight no more like that that was just one of the greatest touches uh, uh of all time especially like in a, a, a comic book movie period and I just really loved it. 
But unless, do you guys have any last comments? Mm-mm. If not, it's time to get out of here. So thank you. Like uh, we had this up at the very beginning. I'm throwing it back up there now. This is a Patreon requested video uh, that we do when the Patreon is like, so if you're at a certain level, Brennan is obviously part of the LGR executives. Uh, they get to pick a couple members of the crew to do some kind of like thing like any kind of thing. We can talk about any kind of topic. Brandon just wanted to know our top five movies of the 2010s. And so he picked me and Adelia to be part of this. But if you're part of that tier, this is one of the things you get to do. You get to pick any kind of topic for us to talk about. It don't even matter. It could be anything from uh, top five movies of 2010s to booty juice. It don't matter. Put it up there. We'll do it. If you're part of the LGR execs, uh, we just like to have fun with it and like to see what you guys pick for us to do uh, and everything else. And, yeah, that's pretty much it, guys. And until next time, peace.